the What Would It Take podcast is co-produced by Anabaptist World and me, Ben Tapper. The views expressed here are my own and do not necessarily represent the official positions of Anabaptist World. To learn more, visit anabaptistworld.org. Hello, hello, everybody. Good evening. We welcome you all to the season finale of Anabaptist World's Why Would It Take podcast. This evening, we have Danny Klotz, Executive Director of Anabaptist World, and Ben Tapper, host of the podcast. I am Juan Moya, digital strategist of Anabaptist World. We join together in this space to share the stories behind the podcast and how it all came together for this first season. Danny, Ben, welcome to our first live stream with Anabaptist World. Happy to have both of you joining us this evening. Thank you. Thanks, Juan. Good to be here with y'all. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm Danny Klotz and the ED of Anabaptist World. I'm super glad to be here with you all and with Juan and Ben. Um, you guys are the rock stars of this podcast, and I'm really grateful that I got to be a partner in the work with you. And this is, I think, the What Would It Take podcast is a good example of really prophetic, important work that I hope Anabaptist World can continue to contribute to our communities and the world not to be redundant but then what would you like to share with our viewers about yourself today and if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about how you got into podcasting and like how that intersects with your faith yeah absolutely uh, so you know first of all i'm just excited to be here this is some uh, an event i haven't done before and so it, it's really cool i get excited trying new things and so i love the vision behind this that that juan and, and danny have had um i got into podcasting i don't know two or three years ago probably two years ago um i was doing an online program um for like professional development and some of the people that were leading the program told me that, you know, you've got kind of cool work. You should think about doing podcasting. I was already kind of doing blogging. I was doing some public speaking. And so I sat on it for a minute and then decided, you know what, I just need to jump into this. So I just kind of went in blind with a podcast called Invisible Truths, which um, is still technically active. I don't really publish regular content, but it's still out there. And, and that podcast is just interviews, tons of interviews, me talking to interesting people, uh, kind of exploring what I call these invisible truths within each of us, these things we all wrestle with, the doubts, the questions, uh, the the um, intricacies of life's journey, and just kind of bringing that out so that we could all kind of find the common threads of our humanity. And then uh, I work for a, a nonprofit here in Indy, and I was able to kind of help them start their own podcast called the Center for Congregations Podcast. Uh, and so, so I got to kind of sharpen my tools with that. Uh, and then, you know, I'd been talking with um, Sheldon, who was the previous director of the previous organization <laughs> that was not Anabaptist World, right? Uh, we kind of bounced the idea of me doing a podcast with that organization around for a minute. Um, and then once Anabaptist World was formed and Danny, you took over, we kind of resumed those dialogues. And, and so what would it take was born. Yeah. Yeah. And like on the other end of that, this kind of, this was like our second question and we're getting into it already. Um, but when I came on board for Anabaptist World, right, I was joining this team about, like joining these two historical publications and from the outside I had like always 
admired and appreciated the content that the Mennonite was putting out via podcasts. And I just love podcasts. So I was like eager to continue that. And then when Sheldon was like, hey, we're talking to Ben, it came together. We figured it out. Like behind the scenes things. I don't know if people find that interesting or not, but. Yeah. And, and you know, t- piggybacking off that, um, you asked about how podcasting intersects with my faith, you know, and thinking about the discussion that you and I had as we were brainstorming what kind of podcast I might be interested in doing. It felt really important for me to bring in a podcast that could live at the intersections of theology and justice. Those are kind of the intersections that I live at daily, um, just in my life. You know, I have a political science undergrad and so very heavily focused on political analysis and societal analysis. And I have uh, one graduate degree uh, as an MDiv, you know, from Christian Theological Seminary. And so it felt important to kind of bring together those different parts of me into something that could be, um, I guess, yeah, prophetic, you know, to, to kind of use the tools that I have at my disposal and to talk about and to analyze what is happening in the world. But, but more importantly, I believe in storytelling. Um, and I, 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 I like podcasting as a vehicle to tell stories, right? And to highlight uh, what is happening in people's lives. Because I think it's really easy to, to look at these big, broad societal issues and to think, oh, that's, that doesn't concern me. It's happening over here, right? This isn't my people. But when you can break it down and tell someone's story, it's a lot harder to dismiss, especially if you're really good at storytelling. And so so um, podcasting is, I think, a great vehicle to do that kind of storytelling that makes the general personal uh, in a way that might motivate transformation and then action. Right, Ben. And thanks for sharing that. And also, I, I mean, it would be interesting to know how you got all your your tools, you know, equipment, communication skills. Is that something you learned along the journey or, or how, how did that happen? Yeah, uh, gradually. So in terms of like the specific tools of podcasting itself, I got really, really blessed working where I work uh, because, you know, we, we do our own podcast, right? And so um, we needed kind of, I needed a studio set up to be able to co-host the podcast that I co-host. And and so then I'm just able to kind of use this for other projects as, as I might need to, um, you know, as long as it doesn't, it doesn't interfere with my work. And in terms of um, the ins and outs of like telling a good story, asking good interview questions, um, framing a discussion, a lot of that came as I went. Um, you know, I worked for two years as an adjunct chaplain uh, at a level one trauma center here in Indianapolis. And, and being a chaplain in a hospital for those that, that haven't is, is about listening. It's about asking, um, I don't want to say the right question, but, but knowing the question to ask that's going to help someone say what they need to say, even if you don't know what they need to say, just finding a question that is big enough, general enough, but specific enough at the same time to help them let out whatever they need to let out so you can hold that space for them. And so, you know, in terms of kind of uh, interviewing when I've done interviews for podcasts, a lot of those skills came from, from chaplaincy or ministry I, I did when I worked at a church, um, or just kind of tools that I've picked up as I've been on my own healing journey. Uh, as I've spent, you know, as I shared early on in, in this podcast, I've, I've survived a lot of trauma. You know, I've been homeless, been a victim of domestic violence, seen domestic violence, been in foster care. I've been through a lot. Um, and I've spent a long time healing or uh, in my healing journey as I've unpacked the ex- experiences that have shaped me for better or worse sometimes. And so a lot of a lot of my worldview, a lot of the ways that I approach podcasting, that I approach storytelling, that a lot of the questions that I ask and the curiosity I bring 
are things that I picked up from just being dedicated to, to healing myself, you know, and if you're not curious, it, it's a lot harder to heal. And so taking that curiosity that I often point inward and finding ways to kind of direct it outward, I think has been a helpful tool, especially as I've gotten uh, more deep, uh, deeper into podcasting. All right, Ben, thanks so much. And I think that leads us to the, to the next question that, that we have, you know, um, we talk a, a little bit about about your background. Uh, now we want to talk about that moment that we decided to make. What would it take, or that you had that idea? You know how how did how did it came together between Anabaptist World and Ben? Let, let's have Danny uh, answer that first. How how did your interaction with Ben and Anab Anabaptist World uh, start? How did it all come together? Yeah, well, I think. Ben mentioned this a little bit already about having a conversation with Sheldon, who was the director of the Mennonite. And then I got to join in on the fun of becoming in a Baptist world. And we just had a conversation together. And um, yeah, I was really interested in what would be life-giving for you, Ben. I don't know. I'm, I'm so happy that in a Baptist world could like, be a place for that project to like come alive. Um, and, and I'm, I've said grateful already, but yeah, I feel like you've really put a lot of yourself into these episodes and shared a lot with the listeners and with us. And I don't know, thank you for allowing all of us to, to listen and to learn with you on those journeys. Uh, Danny and and before uh, Ben answers uh, with Anabaptist World since since we're so new you know this is a new brand we're joining uh, the uh, we joined two two publications two pretty big publications and we merged it into one right so how how does what would it take come to the mission of this new brand of Anabaptist World like what we want to show to the public you know because I think it's it's a very different sort of um, podcast. Uh, from from other brands, you know, we we're bringing in uh, very relevant issues to our context. So how how does an Baptist world embrace this and say, hey, this is a, a podcast that we wanna help uh, promote, help publish? How does that happen? Well, I'm gonna try to answer that question, Juan, and then you tell me if like I didn't do a good job or you want me to do it better. I mean, I think that this is like I said before, the exact kind of prophetic content that I hope Anabaptist world can continue to partner in and create um, because I might get in trouble. I think that's the best of Anabaptism is when we can be prophetic to the world around us, um, just different enough to like create curiosity and um, live out Jesus, like emulating Jesus in the world. Um, and, you know, Anabaptist World is the publication about Anabaptism and for anyone interested in Anabaptism, in our news and our content. And that's a lot of different voices um, on a spectrum of, the of theology and place and probably what they think is purpose, you know. And so I see this as like one way that we're helping to, to push Ben's voice out into the world and his experience and um, a theological perspective that many, many people um, 
can relate to. Exactly. And that's what we want to do with Anabaptist World, you know, join stories, have people. Uh, if you hear Ben's story, but you can relate, even though uh, if you're in another part of the world, I think that's also part, part of our vision. You know, how do we join these stories? How do we make them come to life? So, Ben, the same question to you. How, how does the, the idea of what would it take podcast come together? How was that moment? When do, you, when do you decide, hey, I really need to make a podcast about this and these types of issues, and, and this is a great platform to do it? I was smiling myself uh, because I don't really need an excuse to speak publicly about something. Like, you offered me a stage, and I'm like, yes, I won't even think twice. Um, so just kind of laughing at myself. Uh, but, you know, I think the idea for this specific podcast took a little bit of time. I, I pitched a different idea to Danny altogether up front. And then I sat on it for a couple of weeks. We were going to circle back to it like two weeks later. And as I was preparing for my second meeting with Danny and just kind of chewing on the initial idea, it it didn't feel right. Like it, I don't think it was a bad idea, but I, I didn't have the passion that I, I knew I would need to sustain the project. Right. And for me, inspiration and passion are very important, especially when I'm trying to create something. And so I, I thought to myself, all right, if this isn't it, then, then what is like what what is something that would excite me to do uh, week in and week out? And one of the things that I am I am passionate about is uh, imagination. Right. It, it's, it's being able to find inspiration um in in the pain of life, inspiration in the trial and tribulation of life. And so I I kind of the idea just kind of like popped up, you know, what, what would it take? What would it take to create a world that we all want to live in? What would it take to create a world that had fewer societal ills than the one that we currently inhabit? And I think that, I think that question is either explicitly or implicitly at the core of, of most uh, Christian traditions, maybe even most world religion traditions, right? We're kind of like inherently responding to this question of what could the world be like and what would it take to get there? Um, and so that's kind of the belief that the idea was born with and why I think it ties into uh, Christianity broadly, faith broadly, but specifically Anabaptism. Uh, you know, Anabaptism as a movement was was born almost, I don't want to rewrite history, but, but kind of in response to a similar question, right? People were experiencing um, a faith, a lifestyle, societal trends and politics that not only didn't match their lives, but felt oppressive and harmful and were ultimately deadly. Uh, and so they broke away and and kind of forged ahead with a belief system that that felt more authentic to who they were and, and how they felt the world should look and be. And so, you know, ending, like coming out of the Trump presidency, going through a global pandemic, looking at a world that sometimes, to me anyway, feels like it's literally on fire. I think imagination is so crucial. And, and I think we have to remind people and remind ourselves of, of two important factors. One, there are these common threads of humanity that bind us together, and we can often access those through stories. And so I think it's important to remember that. And two, we have the capability to imagine almost whatever world we want, right? And if we if we use the collective skills, the collective tools, the, the, the divine imagination and creativity that is within each of us, I really believe that we can alter the course of history and change the trajectory. We just have to be willing to do that. And sometimes we need little reminders of our imaginative and creative potential and capability. And I see this podcast as one 
very, very, very small nudge in that direction. One minute reminder that we collectively and individually are capable of great things as long as we're willing to put the imagination uh, into, into play and into action. We're gonna jump into the into the main part of this uh, of this of this season finale, right? Um, so, Dan, I think we're gonna talk about some some of the episodes. Yeah, well, Ben, do you mind sharing with us like one or two episodes that you're still thinking about, and then Juan and I will share too. And then, and this was uh, a podcast that that we had ten episodes in total. You know, the first episode was pretty much the introduction, but Uh, for those of you who haven't checked out the podcast, feel free to look at, look at it in in Spotify, Stitcher, um, in any streaming service. Uh, what would it take? Ten uh, very great episodes that are very relevant also to to the context that we each live in. So yeah, Ben, go ahead. Yeah, I appreciate this question. I loved that when we, when we talked about what we were discussed today, that, that y'all had this idea to bring it up because it let me revisit some of the content um, that then re-sparked my own passion and imagination. So I really love this. Um, and the first episode I will mention might be episode three. I really don't remember what episode these, like what order these came out in. Um, there we go. Yeah, episode three. What would it take for our children to be safe? Um, and this one I think is sticking with me. You know, there, there were some episodes that I did that I kind of knew the general outline. I knew a lot of the statistics. I knew the history. I had a good grasp on the issue. Um, this is one that I kind of knew a broad outline, but but the more, uh, the deeper I dug into this epidemic of maternal mortality and infant mortality, especially in, in uh, black women, indigenous women, and women of color in general, um, it, it broke my heart more and more. Um, partly I think because, you know, I've got an almost 18 month old son now. And so I'm not that far removed, um, from becoming a father, from seeing, um, my, my child born. Um, and so I, I'm close enough to remember and, and to think that there are thousands of, of people, thousands of families each year in the U S that experience heartbreak and tragedy and grief when they should be experiencing joy and wonder and, and, and excitement. And they should be dreaming about the future together. They have to plan funerals. Um, it, it just, it, it breaks my heart. Um, and it, it breaks my heart even more because it doesn't have to happen in, in the society that we live in. These deaths are so preventable. But because of systemic racism, because we're not uh, utilizing and allotting resources and allocating resources effectively and appropriately, because we have our blinders on and we're letting money drive instead of people and relationships, women and children are dying unnecessarily. Funerals are happening unnecessarily. And it's it's disproportionately impacting uh, black women and indigenous women specifically and, and black and indigenous families specifically. And so, you know, I think... For that reason, it just continues to to stay with me. And, and and the longer I see my child kind of grow up and reach these developmental milestones, I think in the back of my mind, I'm aware of all the stories and all the people and all the families that don't get to see those same milestones. And, and it just doesn't have to be that way. Um, and so this episode in particular really sticks with me and kind of um, gets me worked up because it's just, it's so, it's so tragic and so unfortunate. The second episode that is still, um, did you want to jump in one? I'm sorry. 
Okay. Okay. The second episode, I th- it might be episode 10 or nine, who knows? Um, but it's about, uh, homelessness. Um, and so, uh, you know, what would it take for everyone to have a home? And this episode hit me, I think because every single day, almost every single day, I am walking by and interacting with people uh, that are housing insecure or homeless. You know, I, I work smack dab in the middle of downtown Indianapolis. And so there, there are quite a few people um, that are housing insecure and that are homeless. And I live on the east side of Indy. Same thing there. And so every day I'm seeing these people, you know, kind of wondering about their lives, wondering how they got there. I've got my own assumptions that I'm making about their stories, right or wrong. I think we all just kind of naturally assume and make up stories. But again, this is another issue where it doesn't have to be this way. This is an episode that I I learned, uh, you know, about housing insecurity and homelessness. I learned the differences, you know, between long-term and short-term housing insecurity and homelessness. I wasn't aware of that before. And I learned about some of the recommended solutions uh, to this issue um, that I I mentioned in the episode and put in the show notes. And so it was one where I learned a lot um, and one where, again, I walked away thinking, my God, these, these solutions seem so obvious. Why are we not doing something about this? Um, and for me, it comes back to uh, almost always everything comes back to systemic racism, um, but also kind of our own, like the way that's married to capitalism and the way I think it encourages us, especially those of us that grew up in middle class or upper class households to think about and prioritize our own access to resources, our own security, our own stability, and to look at those that don't have the means we have uh, as threats to our security, to our safety, to our income, to look at them as undeserving, to judge them uh, unnecessarily without knowing their story. And then those judgments influence policy. They influence who we elect. And so you have people getting locked up when they don't need to be locked up. You have people living on the street when we could just, you know, allocate more resources to create permanent housing for them or pump money into systems that would help provide mental health services or, or training. I mean, there are a plethora of solutions. There are some cities and states across the country that are beginning to to um, utilize and put these solutions in play, and they're seeing amazing results. Unfortunately, it's not happening in most of the country, uh, and I think it's due to a lack of awareness, and it's due to an inability to be curious, an inability to examine our own privilege and the way that it influences our mindsets and our perceptions and how those then influence our actions and the way we vote and the policy choices that we make. Um, because again, these people don't have to suffer the way that they're suffering. We have enough resources. We have the imagination. We have models of what to do to help uh, decrease the number of people that are housing insecure and homeless, both long-term and short-term. It's just a matter of getting the information out there and being willing to put in the work to ensure that those policies uh, are put into place. So yeah, that- yeah, those are mine. Danny, Juan, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. What what, what was uh, the ones that are sticking with you? Yeah. Well, I've said this to you guys, and I'll say this to people who are watching. I could have picked any of them, really, truly. Um, but I think the one that I picked for today was episode seven, I think, which is where you break down different ideas and theologies around hell and heaven, right? Like, that's a two for oneer. Um, and then you introduce the audience to what liberation theology has to like inform and offer to that conversation. And you make the connection that what we, what any of us believe about the afterlife or heaven and hell 
has direct implications to how we live out our faith um, in the here and now. And you talk about Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames, which is a play. If you haven't listened to that episode, Ben explains that a little bit. And like, I was taken to that play when I was a child and it did its job. It scared me. Um, And so I don't remember where it was or when it was, but whenever, um, I don't know, it, it solidified to me, like when we pray on earth as it is in heaven, that that can be a mandate just as much as like a wishful plea. That was really freeing for me. I think I see that playing out in my own life and like in people's lives that I love, how it can, I don't know, contain you to this role of judge or it can free you to better reflect Jesus's love to other people. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but that's, what it brought up for me maybe i can say that yeah yeah and i think it's also interesting to to define what is hell right we have this uh, misconception of of fire of flames of everything but then we forget so many things that happen today that really resemble death uh, all these images that we have of of, of hell uh, so, some of those are brought to this earth and we and we also need to to learn, I think, uh, to distinguish, you know, uh, what what's good, what's evil in this world. How how do we come to our our own conclusions based on our on our faith, based on our our teachings? Um, so yeah, I think it's very important that that Ben brought it up in this episode, you know, and and made us reflect truly. Uh, what if hell is closer than we think, you know? What if it's right here, you know, rather than we always think of heaven, hell, you know, very uh, the top, the bottom. But uh, really, uh, there's so many things going on in the world today that it feels like we need, again, the prophetic voice to determine, hey, this is this is evil. This is wrong. Right. We need to work to change that. You know, what What does it take to change the current situations that we live in? So. So, yeah, I think also that episode is. Is very important. And for me, sorry, guys, I don't know if uh, Ben wanted to say anything about this particular episode. Yeah, just mm-hmm. just noting, I, I loved um, how you talked about that that mandate in the Lord's Prayer, you know, uh, like kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I never thought about it in that language before, you know, not as a wish, not as a hope, but as as a mandate, you know, as a commitment uh, as disciples. Like, no, we are, we are going to work to ensure that your will is done uh, here and now. And that will has to extend beyond um, eternal salvation. It has to extend beyond this idea of the pearly gates or the orange flames, right? What does it mean today, right? For, for the will of, of the divine to be done. What does it mean, uh, in downtown Indianapolis or on the east side of Indy or in Colombia or in Israel and Palestine or anywhere? What does it mean for God's will to be done? What does it mean to see creation whole in the flesh today? Um, and, and so, yeah, that just, that took me to a place and, and I just appreciate that reframing. Awesome. Yeah. For me, uh, the episode that stood up for me was, uh, episode eight. Uh, what would it take to, to truly love our neighbors? Uh, Ben, you talked about, uh, some examples of, uh, uh immigrant families, right? 
uh, U.S.-Mexico border. Um, and I think it's, uh, it, it's such a relevant issue because uh, I'm here in Colombia. Uh, our, my, our neighbors are uh, ones that I can speak directly to. It's uh, people from Venezuela, you know. And it, it seems like there's always the same sort of issue, you know. Uh, there's always uh, racism against our neighbors, right? Uh, lack of opportunities, uh, discrimination. So uh, it it really happens everywhere. It really happens everywhere, and it's uh, and I thought it was important uh, that in this episode we talked on 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 how do we uh, get into someone else's shoes. You know, let's let's get their perspective. You know, what does it mean uh, to leave your family behind? Uh, to to get out of your country by force, you know, by the lack of opportunities or or by violence or or whatnot. But I think it's a misconception that we have uh, all over the world, you know, uh, that people just coming to the country to take the jobs, uh, to steal our economy, to do wrong. But it's not. For most of the people, that's not the case. You know, when you cross it, when people cross the border, when they decide to leave, there's a long journey. There's deserts. There's uh, dangers. There's real dangers. There's families that are separated from one another. You know, there's laws also that come into play that uh, where some of these family members don't get to see each other for years because they're held in detention centers. You know, so I thought uh, this episode really stood up for me because uh, I've been an immigrant. You know, I've been in other countries. I know what it feels like. Um, I've had friends who, who who don't have papers, you know, but they're in a country working, you know, making their living. And I think it's always uh, it's always good to put to put ourselves in, in each other's shoes, in each other's uh, uh, in the perspective of another, you know, uh, see the suffering and also learn uh, if we're suffering discrimination, right? If I suck, if I suffer discrimination uh, somewhere else, I, I don't want that to be done to me. So why why should we do it? You know, uh, so yeah, I think that's that was a, a pretty good episode and one that stood out for me. I don't know if you if Ben, you have anything else to add about that episode. Yeah, I really appreciate that you brought that episode out, uh, Juan, because um, for me, it was it was one of the episodes that um, I think was most driven by a story, you know, not only the story uh, of the father that came with his young daughter, you know, that was that was traumatic. But in the back of my mind, there's the story of a woman named Erica, whose last name I forget, um, you know, but she... I think I mentioned it in the podcast episode, she came here when she was five. Her parents brought her here, I believe from Mexico, um, lived in Beach Grove, uh, which is a, a small city within the city of Indianapolis. We're weird over here. Um, and and they had a family. They were like actively involved in their local church. And her husband one day got pulled over because he supposedly had a taillight out, gets pulled over. They realize he doesn't have papers. And so they arrest him and, and um, put him in a detention center right? For, for months. So now she's suddenly without her husband, without his income. And on top of that, they then come to her home and try to force her out of her house to forcibly kind of detain her. She's able to, to avoid that, but then she has to report every week or something for these hearings. 
And every hearing she knows she could go in and then be like arrested and put in a van and, and, and put in a detention center. Right. And then what's she going to do to her kids? And so I got connected with faith in Indiana, which is um, a faith-based organizing group here. Um, it's part of faith in action, which is a, a nationwide network. And I got, I, I started going to some of these check-in appointments uh, as a part of a, a team that went to support her. And it, I mean, I, I already had my political views set about this, but to see her, um, to hear her story, to see her tears, to see the anxiety that she felt, to see her daughter with her at these, these check-ins, like, again, the power of a story, the power of, of seeing a human being go through this process that I had already read about. It, I don't know how it, it can't grip you. Like, I, I don't know how you could experience that and see that and hear her story and not be moved um, and enraged. And so that experience um, kind of planted the seed in me for in me for this idea. And it was in the back of my mind the entire time I was recording the episode, because again, it could have been avoided. She ended up voluntarily, voluntarily going back to Mexico with her children uh, so that she wouldn't randomly be deported, right? If she decided to leave, at least she had some control over when and how. Um, but but to be torn away from her community needlessly makes no sense to me. Um, and that it's, it is unjust, plain and simple. So anyway, uh, another diatribe, but, but that story had gripped me the entire time I was recording. Um, so yeah, thanks for letting me share that one. jumping into the the end of this live stream uh thank you all for uh, the people who, who got connected and once again we're we're sharing the the season finale of the what would it take podcast here from anabaptist world uh with the special host uh, ben tapper here uh preaching <laughs> preaching to all of us uh, so yeah uh, what what are you guys' hopes for season two? When, when is season two coming on? Danny, Ben, what what are the hopes? Uh, what are we planning to to touch on? What topics? What ideas do you guys have? Yeah. Well, Ben, I'll let you say what your hopes and ideas are. I'll just say, like, we're working on, like, we want to have a season two, but we don't have a set date yet. So stay tuned. Later this year, it'll happen. Um but life is crazy, so it'll come when it comes. <laughs> yes, it is indeed. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, hopefully uh, we'll be able to get it launched um, early fall at some point. In terms of like what I think would be reasonable to expect from it, you know, I, I want to continue this focus on stories. And so I want to kind of redouble my efforts on making this a narrative driven podcast. Number one, I want to mm -hmm. keep it bite-sized so that you can kind of listen to it and digest it and then dive deeper when you want to. Um, and I think, I think we might incorporate an interview or two, uh, just for different content. So you can have different voices periodically. We might get real funky and, and do a, a audio and visual podcast episode at some point in season two, you know, just to keep playing with things. And then I think there are a variety of topics that, that can be explored. Some of which I want to get to in season one, but just wasn't able to, um, like, oh man. So as I, as I think about what the topics might be, I can already like hear the, the protests that are going to come from some people, you know, cause some of these topics are just to make folks really uncomfortable. Um, but they're really important to talk about. Right. So talking about, um, how harmful abstinence only sex education is, um, for, for teens and adults, uh, talking about, um, the Israel 
what's going on in Israel and Palestine, right? And in discussing that in in the context of of apartheid, apartheid, um, talking about mass incarceration and doing a deeper dive in, into into what that is and what that isn't, um, and then. Another random idea was just the importance of narrative in general. You know, I read an article the other day that a friend sent me that was a profile on uh, the English Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Um, and and in that profile, they compared him to Donald Trump. And as I was reading it, a theme kept coming up about the importance of narrative. Um, and so thinking about the ways that Boris has used narrative in the UK, the way that Trump used narrative here, uh, like the MAGA movement and, and what that tapped into. And so just kind of elaborating on how we use narrative for political movements um, and and how we can think more strategically about utilizing that. So all those are potential topics. And then I personally would love to hear what people that regularly listen uh, want to explore, want to know more about, want to do a deeper dive into. And so, so as you have a chance, you can reach out to me directly, reach out to Anabaptist World. I'd love to get some topic ideas from y'all just to see what you're interested in hearing about and learning about uh, in this upcoming season. Right, and, and I think uh, you touch on like stories. They're so important to, you know, we're, that's, how, that's how we know the world, through stories, right? That's our perception of the world. And I think it would be also important to, to, to expand a little bit more, maybe on, on season two, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, other countries, you know, I think it would be definitely interesting and, and also part of the journey and the mission that we have, you know, to connect the world. Um, because I, I feel like a lot of these stories are, are similar, but in different contexts, right? We, we, uh, there's people who suffer injustice, discrimination, uh, homelessness, uh, challenges to their faith, uh, wars, you know? So I, I don't think, uh, I don't think that we should, that, sh that we should pride ourselves from, from listening to those stories outside of our, our outside of our continents and and I think it's also a, a great opportunity just to 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 reach out to broader audiences you know Ben um, for example what you mentioned in Palestine important to talk about that you know uh, what happens now in Co what's happening now in Colombia we've been almost uh, more than a month in, in in a national strike you know uh, due to all these uh, economic injustices, injustices so so yeah it's it's very important to hear so many voices you know so many voices uh, that need to be that need to be heard so i think this is a great space this is a great space yeah i i i i think that is very well said Juan. i think i appreciate you bringing that up um and in addition to the kind of that expanding perspective another way that i think about uh using this podcast to expand perspective is uh, bringing in more intentional analysis of theology, more intentional analysis of, of specifically biblical interpretation, right? This is an Anabaptist podcast. Many of those that are listening are going to be in Anabaptist, maybe even Mennonite congregations week in and week out. And so I think it's important to continue to frame it both politically and theologically so that we we understand the why, right? So that so that we have these political, these theological narratives in our back pocket and can frame then our course of action. I, I think there are certain theological narratives and, and viewpoints that are rampant in our society and are really easy to to grab onto and to use. Um, but I I think it's really important to kind of expand that imagination, like we did with. Um, liberation theology and to help people know that there, there are other options. There are other ways of thinking about what and who and how God is than maybe what the narrative that we were given uh, growing up. 
Shannon Dykus with the deep questions and wonderings. Should have expected, should have expected. Uh, since you asked Shannon, that request will be granted. I will do that wrestling uh, with the prevalence of binaries and conversations. So we can go there. We can go there. All right. Awesome. Um, I don't know, Benny, do you, uh, Danny, sorry. Do you have anything to add? Not really. I mean, I think like talking about purity culture to Mennonites is like, we are going to hear some things, but it's, it's so relevant. And, um, yeah, I'm excited for season uh, two. Uh, I think. Yeah, oh, sorry, wow. I was just going to say on some of these topics are very, they make us uncomfortable, you know, like I remember right. when we were, when we were trying to edit all the audios down and getting the topics and everything, we really had to sit down and say, okay, what, what a what tone can we use to share the same information you know the same information right but we want to reach we have a we want to have a broader reach so how do we share this information you know being using a certain type of language where it's not passive but it also it calls for change you know because that's what we need so i, I think i think uh danny and ben I think we 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 pulled it off in a way that it was uh, very welcoming, you know, without leaving the 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 prophetic voice that that also needs to be heard. And I got I got yeah. a shout out Danny especially for that reminder and that push to to bring up more of that pastoral voice and then also uh, again bringing Shannon up again she's someone that I learned under and and I think does this well because my I mean I'll just be honest y'all my initial bent is just to to name a thing call a spade a spade and then to keep it moving if you got a problem with it that's really not on <laughs> me is it uh, so it's important to have these people in my life they can they can check me they can offer reminders that yeah you've got more than just kind of that harsh tone in you uh, how might you package this in a way that that is palatable and helpful um rather than alienating sometimes you got to alienate people but not every time you speak and so it's helpful to have have those <laughs> reminders i think ben you've done an awesome job of like holding pastoral and prophetic and like um i don't know those are like the way that you've done it has been wonderful and other people in my life too those are my teachers right like when you can hold those two together you challenge and you bring people along. And I hope that's what we've created together. I think we have. Right. And this and this is just the first season. So if you guys are listening, wait for the next season. I, I'm sure it's going to be uh, very exciting to share new stories, new, pers new perspectives. All right. So we're reaching yeah. uh, the, the end. Uh, once again, thank you uh, to the people who are connected, listening. Um, Uh, we we answer a couple of, of those questions that were on the comment. Uh, but if once again, if you have more questions, feel free to reach us uh, through inbox, uh, either here in Anabaptist World or or maybe with Ben also, right? How how can we find you in in social media, Ben? Yeah, you would ask me that. I never remember my social media tags. Uh, however, <laughs> on Facebook, you can find me as Benjamin J Tapper. Uh, on Instagram, I think I am Mr. Tapper or Mr. Dot Tapper. Um, and then a similar handle on Snapchat. You can also email me at bjtapper at gmail.com. Um, and, and I think that email address or one of my email addresses anyways, and uh, the show notes of the podcast. So you can find me. And if you don't, if you can't find me, reach out to, to Danny or Juan, they'll know how to get a hold of me as well. 
we can pass along those messages for sure. All right. Hey, before we hop off, Ben, are there like any plugs you want to give to other resources? right now there's a few i do but mm-hmm. i'll let you go first yeah there's one in particular that i want to mention um and that is the police uh i believe it's the police abolition curriculum uh called defund the police question mark or something like that uh that mcusa uh just launched i was part of the the, the dope team that helped create and imagine and vision that um uh, that work and so I just encourage y'all to check that out if you're wondering, especially in the fall, what kind of adult uh, Sunday school topics you can explore. If you are a pastor who uh, has heard about, you know, defund the police, heard uh, about police abolition and just curious about how it may or may not tie into Anabaptist values or the gospel, check it out. And even if you come into it, um, I'm not expecting you to come into it and just kind of go through the whole nine, 10 week program and walk away as a police abolitionist. However, I think if you're open enough, you'll learn a lot of things. You will question the the ways in which you approach and look at different elements of society, like our schools, our education systems, our homeless population. Um, and, and more than anything, uh, I think you will hold the question of what does it mean to be safe? And what does it mean for different groups and types of people to be safe? And how do we create a society in which uh, that goal is actually lived out day in and day out? Um, and so I would just encourage you to check out that resource. Uh, the people that worked on it are amazing. Uh, any of them individually can can school me on the topic. And so I, I was just grateful to be part of that team um, and to learn from them. And so I, th- I just think you should check out that resource when you get a chance. Yeah. And we can add the link in the comment section too for that. And kind of piggyback, piggybacking to be, oh, I'm sorry, to piggyback off of that, laboring towards wholeness is another new curriculum out of MCUSA. And I don't know, I like all of the women who participated in writing that are amazing. Um, not to like compete in the fall for your Sunday school curriculum, but uh, that is another great one that I hope the lots of people will hold on to. And everyone, there's going to be a new podcast on Anabaptist world. And it's going to be about dismantling the doctrine of discovery and hosts are Sarah Augustine and Sherry Hostetler. And if you go to our website right now, you can find it. Uh, We have our first intro episode. I'm so excited. Um, They're two amazing women. If you're not familiar with their work, they're co-founders of the dismantling the doctrine of discovery coalition. Um, and we talk about all the isms and it's really great. So if you've enjoyed Ben's podcast, I think you'll also enjoy this other one as well. All right. Awesome. Ben, Danny, thank you all for joining us. The people who are tuning in at this moment from different parts of the world. Um, it's, uh, we're very happy to, to end this season. Uh, and so, and and people can also go back to the to the other other episodes in our website on Spotify and Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you have uh, streaming platforms. We we have the episodes there for you to check out. Uh, once again, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Danny, for for joining us today in the season finale of the Why Would It Take podcast. Yeah, thank you both. Great to be here. All right, guys, stay tuned for more and uh, we'll put the links with some uh, resources, helpful resources in this in the in the comments below. All right. Have a good evening, everybody.
Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the What Would It Take podcast. To view the source material for this episode, check out the show notes. If you'd like to find more great content from Anabaptist World, visit anabaptistworld.org. And if you want to learn more about me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Benjamin J. Tapper. Mm-hmm.